I bet my wife a couple candy bars yesterday. I was betting her about stuff, and I enjoyed them. (laughs) Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. As applicable. I'm watching too much news as well. I'm going to be careful. Um... Last week, I can see through these glasses. Last week, we were in chapter 11, still are today. Must be paint. Never paint with your glasses on. (laughs) Little little specks over here. Oh, that one's moving. Spectacles. That was good. (laughs) Spectacles. Um, so we started last week, or we started the week before last, I guess, talking about God had not cast away his people. That's talking about true Israel. Remember, we got two Israels we're talking about here, and this this chapter, <laughs> it's hard. The last few weeks has been really difficult because nobody agrees on anything, and we'll get into it more towards later into this chapter. There's a lot of disagreement right. and, and different Camps, if you will, we used to call them camps back in the 70s. They, they still call them that? Different camps that believe this and believe that. And boy, I tell you what, it's it's tough to get. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do the, the disclaimer now. I'm going to teach what I think is scripturally supported and what I think I believe. And if you don't believe that, that's okay. Amen. That's right. It is. I mean, I just, you know, I'm not going to be dogmatic about stuff. If the Bible sometimes is not real clear on things. We'll get into that when we get into around verse 25 or so. Gets gets unclear. Okay, so anyway, we talked about that. We talked about the example of Elijah. Elijah made intercession against who? Yeah. Intercession against Israel. He stood between, and he was making intercession against Israel, King Ahab, Jezebel too, right? Because they were they were destroying the country. You could use an Elijah about yes, now. Yes, amen. That's right. Yeah. And we talked about true Israel being the remnant. We talked about fleshly Israel that had rejected Jesus, rejected the gospel. Uh, and last week we talked about because the Gentiles were allowed to be saved, allowed to come in, that that was designed to make the Jews jealous and provoke them to jealousy and we'll find out that it, that it happened. Okay? So that's why that happened. That, that, that's why he let them in, partly, partly, partly because he loved them, but he wanted to make Israel jealous. So I'm going to start with verse number 13 today. So we went through all of that. Talked about the fullness, uh, the, the Gentiles, um, <clears throat> their salvation advancing because of the fall of the Jews. Discuss it. Verse 13, let's have a word of prayer first. And then we'll talk about what he says to the Gentiles. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Father, thank you, Lord, for the lesson this morning. Father, pray God you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the Gentiles are warned. Let's talk about this now. Verse number 13. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. 
I speak to you Gentiles. I'm the apostle of the Gentiles, Paul says. And most of the places he went were Gentiles. Most of those cities in the Bible, the Ephesians, Colossians, all these guys were Gentiles. He went to the, he says, I'm your apostle. That's right. I identify with you. <clears throat> and because the Jews were trying to kill him. So he turned to the Gentiles. Amen. He says, I'm your apostle. I'm bold to tell you that both the diminishing and the fall, the loss of Israel, has provided blessings to you. Verse 14, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Provoke to jealousy was God's plan. He wanted the Jews to see that the Christians had a better relationship with God than what they ever had. That's right. Theirs was based on the sacrifices and the law, and now these Christians have personal relationships with God. Not just a corporate or nation they had personal relationships with Jesus. So he was trying to increase their desire to want to be saved. But it, revoked, it actually provoked uh, outrage. Discussed this a little bit last week, how they were starting to kill martyr Christians. A lot of them were martyred back in that day. They were after them. They were after Paul. Paul was one of those guys that was after other Christians, and then he got saved, and then they're after him. And so this outrage, even though there was an outrage, Paul was prepared to endure that in the hope of saving some. It says here in verse 14, save some of them. Paul thought here that he knew that there would not be, that there would be a vast majority of flesh of Israel at some point in time, and he wanted to see them saved. He wanted to see these Jews get saved. He knew what was coming. We'll discuss that more later on in the lesson this week or next week. Verse 15, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the riches of them be but life from the dead? For if casting away of these unsaved Jews, especially Israel, casting them away, what would be the reconciling of them? What would be them getting saved? It would be wonderful. It would be uh, those uh, taken from hell. hell, Satan's got them. He just take them right out of his grass. If you get, and that's true with anybody, isn't it? Right. If you get saved, you're getting saved from yeah. hell. You're getting saved from something. So <laughs> Paul was really concerned, and we talked about it in a couple of other chapters. How he's really concerned about his fellow countrymen, his brethren, his Israel, fellow Jews. He was concerned about them. They were so steeped in their own religion and tradition that they just ignored God. And Paul was really heartbroken about that. So he wanted to see some of them get saved. So any convert is indeed life from the dead. I mean, that was where you were destined to hell, eternal death. You get saved before you get there, then you're pulled out of that in the nick of time. Verse 16, For if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. So this is a simple, simple parallel metaphor, sir, that mean exactly the same thing. Since God so graciously accepted the first Jewish converts, all Jews would be accepted the same way, same method. 
being saved, accepting Christ, okay? Now, this thing refers to, look at, uh, at uh, Numbers chapter 15. Numbers 15. Numbers, used to have numbers, here it is. Numbers 15, verse number 20. It says, Ye shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough for an heave offering. As ye do the heave offering of, of the threshing floor, so shall ye heave it. What are we talking about? The Jews were instructed to offer up a cake of the dough to the Lord when they first prepared bread for the new harvest. And this was to dedicate a piece of that lump, if you will, of that dough to the Lord as a token of thanks and to recognize that it all belongs to God. And after the sacrifice, uh, the, the symbolic sacrifice, the remainder of the lump was also considered ready for general use. It was also considered consecrated, okay? Just because of a portion of it being offered to God the lump also is, it communicates that same uh, consecration to the whole lump. Understand that? So that's, that's what he's saying here in verse number uh, 16. For the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so is the branch. Let's get to the root now. Let's get to the root of the root. So this is a real simple truth here. Uh, this is one of these passages, these next couple three, that have been really loaded down with a lot of interpretations. And, and it's difficult sometimes to really draw out what's really going on here because they have all these interpretations. And guys sometimes really torture Scripture. I mean, they twist and cut and insert and take away. So it's, it's difficult to start grasping this stuff. There's parable theology. There's all these things here that can sometimes detract from what, what we're talking about. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm saying that uh, I, I don't see totally how they're uh, part of this lesson right now. There's, there's other things that I want to consider because of that, or, or instead of that, rather. So this is a simple truth, but it's being really saturated with different ideas. So the first converts to Christ were Jews. The Christian church began as a Jewish church. And these formed the root of the church. The root of Israel were the ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Those were the root of the nation of Israel. And all their posterity, their branches, if you will, we're talking about visualize a tree and all their branches, the root is the, the covenant of God to these ancestors. And all this posterity, which proceeded from the root, became entitled to these same privileges. They're the first fruits of Abraham. So these root and these branches still remain, and these descendants still remain, and their entitlement is external and, and it's relative, but it's not personal unless they internalize that and uh, absolutely believe it through faith, just, just like us. We can know all about Christianity. We can know all about Christ. We can know all about God. We can know all about the plan of salvation. What does that do for us? 
You can go to hell knowing that same stuff, can't you? You can go to hell saying, I wish I would have. So knowing about it doesn't, you have to internalize that. It has to apply to you personally. Okay? So it can't be, you're not saved because your neighbor is or because your family is. Because your brethren are. It's personal. So you have to personalize this. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. The, the roots are still there. And we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes here where some of them are, are cut off. Their stubborn unbelief has a consequence. Remember, so we talked about this, I think, last week. When did Abraham get the blessing? Once he believed. That's right. He believed first. God didn't give it to him, so I hope you believe this, Abraham. He had to believe first. Okay? When we get saved, we have to believe. believe. Oh, Lord, if you have time during your day, can you please save me when I'm doing No, I have to believe this. I have to believe I need a Savior. I have to believe that he will save me and that he can save me. Okay? There's belief involved before this happens. Okay? So that's when Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. The return to, of, of Israel to their ancient land and the establishment of the nation of Israel, the state of Israel, was on May 14, 1948. And since that time, that was a first step in a sequence of events that will culminate in Christ's millennial reign. Talk about that more later on, if we get there. Let's look at verse 17. And some of the branches be broken off. And thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. A couple things going on here. Who's Paul talking to? Gentiles, Gentiles right now. He's talking to the Gentiles. And some of the branches be broken off. This is a... Uh, Reference to pruning. They didn't break off. They were cut. They were pruned off. Why? Because of unbelief. They weren't cut off completely. A remnant's still there. I see my wife cut down, you know, prune some trees, you know. I go, boy. That wasn't even a prune tree. Maybe it was just down to nothing but a stock. I said, wow. <laughs> this poor guy. When he came back. He came back every time, yeah, but he looked really skinny for a couple of days there. My boy, it looked pretty bad. There's nothing left, you know, but so they were pruned, but it still existed, okay? So this is a metaphor of old fleshly Israel whose branches were, were, were pruned. The branches that were not broken off is a true Israel, the remnant. Are you okay with that? So the spiritual seed of those who accepted Christ formed the first community of believers back in Acts. He says, Thou, talking to Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, which is pretty easy to understand. They, this wild olive tree, this is against what people should do. It's against nature. You don't graft wild into good, you graft good into wild. And then that good becomes wild and everything, you know. Anyways, I'm not a horticulturist or whatever they call those guys. 
tree surgeons or something. I just cut. I don't graft. Cut and spray is the way I make, do my yard. It's the wrong color. Spray it. it. Looks funny. Spray it. No, I don't. I don't do anything like grafting. Anyways, so the Gentiles are the wild olive tree, and they were grafted into the existing tree, true Israel. So contrary to nature, grafted in among. Grafted in means converted to Christ. They were saved. Grafted in. So the wild olive was the Gentiles. Among them. That's important phrase there. Grafted among them. Because they were not grafted in instead of them. As claimed by some Bible scholars in some camps, especially the uh, uh, replacement theologists that believe the church is taken over from Israel. Okay, We talked discussed that some weeks ago. The Gentiles were not accepted into God's church in place of anybody, nor did their coming displace anybody. People get confused about that. We didn't, us coming into the church didn't displace anybody. It's still for whosoever will. Amen. It's still available. That's right. They still get saved today. There's not a number where God says, no, no, Gentiles... There's too many of you. We've got a couple of Jews in here. You know, he didn't do that. It's, it's, it's for whosoever will. Okay? There's plenty of room for all. Verse 18. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Talking to Gentiles still. Boast not against the branches, the Jews. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Boast not against the branches. Right here, I think, emerges what is probably the underlying motive and the primary meaning to why Paul wrote this epistle. And this epistle has, the, uh, has an abundant uh, emphasis on salvation being by grace. Amen. That works. Discuss that throughout the entire epistle, the entire series. Grace, grace, grace. So Paul was warning these Gentiles. Already. Newly saved, part of the church, stern warning. Watch your step. Don't fall into the same foolish, fatal error that destroyed fleshly Israel. Because of their pride and possessing God's law, talk about the fleshly Israel, their superior knowledge led them to all kinds of boasting against the Gentiles. We discussed that, how they got along. The Jews, uh, you know, the Gentiles were heathen. The Jews looked down upon them. Now the table was turning. Yeah, Gentiles getting saved, becoming part of the church or their own church. And the Jews outside, those fleshly Jews, are still doing their thing with the law. And even Christian Jews, as we saw earlier, the Roman church, they're having some conflict there. There's some issues. Paul's got to address this. About the time this was written, about 50 A.D., the, the character of the church was changing. It was becoming more Gentile than Jew. 
and that was kind of a bad thing, I guess, that they, they started seeing themselves, Gentiles started seeing themselves grow in the church, and the Jews not getting saved, and they kind of thought, you know what? I'm glad God was merciful and gracious to me. But you know what? Perhaps there was something in us. Pride started to creep in, these Gentiles, this church. Pride was creeping in. Hey, look at us now. We are better than they. And this pride presented an opportunity for the Gentiles to develop these same boastful and inconsiderate attitudes as the Jews had towards them. You see where I'm going with this? Paul was, had to address this. He had to stop it. They were becoming filled with pride. Hey, we deserve salvation. Jews rejected it. We deserve it. Here we are. Salvation of the Jews came through, I mean, of the Gentiles came through the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. The apostles, most of them, all of them were Jews. Most of their church members early on were Jews. Judaism was the means which God had formed Christianity. No full understanding of Christianity uh, uh, is possible without knowledge of Jews, of uh, Jewish history. You've got to understand that. The Gentile, through his own conceit, what is conceit? Self-pride. When you look in the mirror and you just go, I really like my hair. I used to say that back when I had it, but um, I used to like having hair. I really like having hair. It was old. Anyways, but anyways, I used to like it. Now I don't. I wear it different. That's what they say. I remember going into the army, we had all these guys. There a lot of a lot of them were draftees. We had these hippies coming in there, long-haired guys. And you sit at this barber chair, you're in your underwear, basically. They gave you underwear first, and you start getting the rest of your uniform as you go. And you're getting your hair cut, and the barber's funny. How would you like your hair? <laughs> oh, uh, can you style it down to where? He goes, sure. <laughs> Everybody looked the same. Like a pool ball. It was funny to, how would you like your hair? <laughs> so anyways, I got my crew cut before I even went in. I knew better. But these guys, it was fun to see these hippies with their hair. They'd start and just do all kinds of designs on it first. And then, of course, you had a haircut in about 10 seconds. It was really quick. I mean, I've seen sheep sheared pretty fast. These guys can do it. They were pushing you through there, but it was funny. Hair all over the place. They had to bring in a scoop loader. <laughs> Took all the hair. Don't do it. But, man, it was hair everywhere. It was fun. Fun to watch these guys. Some of them were crying. These guys with the wavy golden locks that blows in the breeze. They were in tears. And they haven't been through basic training yet. They'd be in tears then, but, man, this is before that. They were going through an emotional time. They're probably getting disability right now, I bet you. I don't know. It's probably some kind of... But it was fun to watch them. Boy, they were just... It was fun. One of the best times I had in basic. One of the, one of the couple I had in basic. So, I don't know how I got off on that. Anyways, where was I? This conceit of the Gentiles and having been accepted in Christ began to display this attitude of superiority and disdain for the Jews. 
Does that ever happen today? Yeah, it's terrible. It's ungodly. But Paul needed to address this. The Gentile Christians at his time thought they deserved salvation. They deserved it. Except the truth was they deserved it even less than the Jews, and the Jews didn't deserve it at all. If it wasn't for God's grace, nobody would be saved. So the Gentile boast was an arrogant lie, which is what Paul said in verse number 20. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. While admitting that the branches were pruned off, broken off, Paul refused to admit that there was any preferential treatment there. But he was equal. Paul would not emphasize that God broke them off, but he shifted the emphasis to the fact that they didn't believe. Unbelief is what had them cut off. That was the cause. That's what caused God to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to cut you out of this tree. Unbelief. And he says, and thou standest. It means the Gentile had not been accepted in place of anybody else. It was not his own merit, but God's grace that enabled him to be saved, just like it is today. It was exactly as if Israel never existed. God dealt with them as people, as individuals, okay? Gentiles' place in the church was due to unmerited favor of God. And that person following uh, uh, his faith and obedience of the gospel, like everybody else. Everybody's undeserving of it. <clears throat> Be not high-minded, but fear. Another warning. Israel forfeited everything because of unbelief. And you know what he's saying? It happened to them. Guess what? It can happen to you. For the same reason that I'm starting to see emerge here. Same reason. God has no preference. He deals with everybody the same way. Verse 21, For God spared not the natural branches. Take heed lest he also spare not thee. Be careful, Gentiles. God cut, God pruned the natural branches out of that tree. You're a wild branch. Watch your step. Be careful. Don't do these things that you're starting to do. Right. God can do, deal with you the same way as he dealt with them. They're an example to you on what you shouldn't do. That's right. He spared not the natural branches. Take heed that he also spared not thee. There's consequences to your actions. So this shows exactly the same principles of God's judgment are applied to Jews and Gentiles alike without any impartiality. Deals with everybody the same. God's righteousness, the basic theme of the book of Romans, uh, required Paul to express God's immutability. What is immutability? Unchanging. God's not going to prefer you to the Jews or them to you. He has his, his judgment's going to be the same. Right. If he didn't like them doing what they did, what makes you think he's going to like it if you do it? He's not. Behold, in verse number 22, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them, that's, on them which fell severity, 
but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. God's everlasting goodness is stressed in God's word. God is good. He's more than good. There's a word out there that describes God's goodness, but I don't know what it is. I don't think they invented that word yet. There's, there's a word out there for it, but I don't know what it is. But Paul here enforces his warning to the Gentiles with four thoughts in his verse. Number one, he says, Behold the severity of God's strict judgment in cutting and casting out the unbelieving Jews. You witness it happening. Pay attention to it. Behold the severity. Did God deal with the Jews severely? Yes. yes. He had been since uh, for a long, long time. He's been dealing with them. Second, reflect on God's goodness and in offering the gospel and salvation uh, by grace to you. Severity of God. And toward the goodness, that verse says, toward the goodness, God offered salvation for you. Number three, to emphasize the necessity of continuing in that goodness by abiding in faith to the gospel. If thou continue in his goodness. What does that word if kind of tell us? Yeah, that word means something. If, this will happen if, they'll continue. You can watch TV if you eat your vegetables. <laughs> I didn't like TV anyways. I didn't get to watch much. If you clear up your plate. We were in Arizona, Yuma. <laughs> Hot. Agricultural area. I hated vegetables. Lima beans. Peas, you know, stuff really bad for you. <laughs> and I, um, I didn't eat them. I hit them. I mashed them puppies up underneath the table, under my seat. We had a real ant problem for some reason. I don't know what that was. <laughs> we did. We had a mom goes in her spring for ants. Then she find what's this thing going up here? <laughs> I don't know. I got to, I don't know. I thought, somebody, I thought that's where they came from. I don't know. I don't know. Anything about, you know, <clears throat> I hated vegetables. Yeah, I, it's bad. Boy. You say about a dog? I said, I fed mine to the dog. We had a dog, and he wouldn't even eat them. <laughs> he said, don't even try, big boy. I ain't doing this. Man, no way. No way. So continuing, abiding in the faith of the gospel. Fourth, observe the assurance that if the Gentiles commit the same mistakes as the Jews, they will incur the same fate. Otherwise, thou shalt be cut off. If you continue, otherwise, God's going to deal with you in like manner. That's what he's saying there. Verse 23, business begins to pick up a little bit here. As I was discussing earlier in this, uh, this uh, lesson today, we start getting into a lot of different philosophies and beliefs and doctrines and whatever you call them, I guess. I don't know what you call them. Different, different, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Interpretations. Good, thank you. Whoever said that? Who was that? Thank you. He's my thesaurus. Both those boys are 
When you get older, you start losing your vocabulary. Yeah. Amen. You find that? Yes. And you need a thesaurus because you can't think of a word, the word, so you've got to find another word that'll work. It's really, it's really bad. I mean, it's, get, wait till you get there. You're looking for a word, it's just going by, and you can't, it's scrolling down through your memory, you see these words, and none of them's there. Or you can't grasp that one. It's, it's bad. Verse 23, and if they, and, and they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Major, major point here. That's right. What are we talking about? Read this verse. And if they, they who? The Jews, Israel, fleshly Israel, if they abide not still. Yeah. Got to read that right. If they abide not still, or if they stop their unbelief, they shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. They came from the same tree. You can graft the same branch into the same tree. Easier than a wild one. He says, if they abide not still, not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able Amen. to graft them in again. That's right. As a nation, it is possible that they may be grafted in. So this is interesting. There are those that say Israel's gone forever. They're gone. If they weren't saved now, they're out of here. There's going to become a time where they're going to get a chance, an opportunity. They're going to have to make a decision. And that's going to come. I think it's after the rapture or just before uh, the second coming. But there's going to come a time they're going to have an opportunity. They're going to see God's glory and God's grace firsthand. And they're going to make a decision. We'll get to that probably next week. Grafted in. The possibility of Israel's return is stated here, but it's conditioned upon what? Belief. Belief. Right. They've got to turn around. What does that word repent mean? About. Change of mind. About face. Turn around. They've got to change their direction. If they abide not still in unbelief. So God didn't just throw them away. He's not going to just throw them away. They're going to have an opportunity, another opportunity. There is no miracle or special combination on Israel's behalf other than the continuing miracle of the gospel. The Jews will not be saved in spite of the gospel. They'll be saved because of the gospel. Look at, uh, look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul said early on, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, for it is the gospel of Christ, for it, it, what is it? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. Gospel is still important here. Right. It's the power of the gospel that saves. So, as long as their belief, unbelief, holds out, they remain without. It's been 2,000 years now. They've been outside for over 2,000 years. God's kept his promise open. Verse 24, 
For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which, had, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good tree, good olive tree, how much more shall these, which were the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? We just talked about that verse, didn't we? So it's possible to be grafted back in. In fact, it's reasonable to say that it's probable that they could be grafted back in. Paul has, in effect, said, it's possible by faith, it's probable because it's reasonable, and it's rational because it's logical. It can happen. It's possible, probable, because I believe it was actually prophesied in Scripture. They're going to do it. Some don't agree with this. A lot of them don't. Or they don't agree when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. I'm going to stop here for today because when I get into verse 25, we start getting into some, some deeper stuff here. But they're going to have a chance. They're going to have an opportunity. God's going to not forget about them. And God's going to bring things to pass when it's time that they'll still have a decision to make, but I think they'll make it pretty easily. Uh, we'll discuss that next week. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the lesson, Lord. Pray God you'd. Get blessed, pastors. He preaches this morning, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.